So man, happy new year. We're going to dive right into the word today. We, if you didn't see on Instagram, if you don't follow us, uh, you know, or Facebook or whatever, yeah, follow us up so you know what's happening, like worship night tomorrow. Yay! Everybody who's coming to that, say, that's me. that's me. That's quite a few of you guys, so if anybody from first service comes, we'll break fire code, which we may already be doing right now, but don't call anybody and tell them. Don't text it. Wait till the end. Oh, Sean said we're good. Okay, we're not actually breaking fire code. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Just a little tight. That's all. So we have worship night tomorrow. It's going to be amazing. Start your year off right in the presence of God. But if you've not seen, we're doing a series right now called 2020. A little play on words. You know, we're in 19, but we're doing a series called 2020. And here's why. We want you. We want the church, we want this family to catch a God-sized vision for who he is asking us, who he is equipping us, who he is calling us to become in 2019. So I want to ask you, who are you going to be a year from today? Who are you going to be one year from now? Who are you going to be January 1st, 2020? The first Sunday of next year, who are you going to be and what are you going to accomplish with the Holy Spirit? Not by yourself but with God. And that's why we're doing this series this month. And we are not simply referring to resolutions. We're talking about having an encounter with the real Jesus and having a vision that comes from heaven and that transforms you and that moves through you so that everything that you accomplish is done with the Holy Spirit. You guys like that? All right. Well, today we're going to kick it off and I'm going to share a message called how to get a God-sized vision. Y'all like it? How to get a God-sized vision. So look at your neighbor and say, level up. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We're so grateful you're in the house. You're always here. You're our guest of honor, the VIP. If it wasn't for you, God, this would serve no purpose at all. It'd be a waste of all of our time. But God, because you're here, we rejoice. Because you're here, we have new life. Because you're here, love is running through our system right now. And we thank you, God, for your presence. We pray in Jesus' name that everything we do and say would bring glory and honor to our Savior, first and foremost, because you're worth everything. And we love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Well, anytime I preach on a topic and this whole month, I'm going to be preaching about vision and what it means to have vision or get a vision. Uh, I love to first and foremost go to scripture, but pretty soon after I go to Google. Anybody else in here, you know, you start to study something, you Google it, right? And so I, I always Google words. I say vision, define, you know, in the Google bar. And what came up was something that I thought was quite interesting because when we think about vision, we think about it as kind of conceptual or ethereal. But what vision actually means, according to the dictionary, is that vision is the faculty or state of being able to see. Everybody say, see. See. It's the state of being able to see. Vision is more than just good thoughts. Vision is more than reluctant hope. Like, I hope 2019 is a good year. That's not vision. Vision is the ability to see with clarity into the future. That's what vision is. And so to have a a, a God-sized vision for the future, you've just got to go beyond good thoughts. To have a God-sized vision for your future, you have to go beyond good vibes. 
You have to go beyond positive energy. You have to get something greater. In order to get a God-sized vision, it has to come from God. And I'm going to show you this in Scripture. If you have your Bible, you can open it to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Very popular passage of Scripture. You will remember it when I read it. I'm going to start with the King James Version. We're going to throw it back, take it old school, KJV, what's up? Where there is no vision, you guys read it with me because it's nice and big today. No vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Have you ever read that before and thought, what does that really mean? Where there is no vision, the people perish. He that keepeth the law, happy is he. I'm going to get to the he that keepeth the law part in just a bit. But let's look at where there is no vision, the people perish. Let's read it in another translation, the ESV. It says it like this. Where there is no... Whoa. Whoa, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Now, this word vision here, I looked it up because, like I said, I do go to Google, but I am a Bible nerd. Let me tell you, I'm a self-confessed word geek. I love to dive into the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic. I love to read commentaries. And I learned that this word vision in the Hebrew is spelled C-H-A-Z-O-N. And so I was like, Chazen, like I've met somebody named Chazen. Maybe they were a prophetic picture of vision. And you know, like your mind goes in those places, right? You're like, that's awesome. But then I looked into the text on how to pronounce it, and it's actually pronounced calzone, which sounds like calzone. And so I was like, I like this. I want this. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that for as long as I live. I will always know what vision means in Hebrew because it sounds like calzone. And how many of you guys know? That's a good thing right there. So when you, look, when you look at the Hebrew word calzone, vision, without a vision, the people perish. Another way of saying that is without prophetic revelation, the people perish. Here's what that word, here's what that word means. It means to see or to behold to possess prophetic revelation and to dream. Everybody say to dream. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been doing a whole lot of dreaming about 2019. Anybody else in here? Dreaming about what God's going to do in your life this year? I hope you are because God's dreaming through you. I mentioned it last week, but a, a line that Lou Engel once said was, you think you have a dream, but the truth is God had a dream and wrapped your flesh around it. God had a dream and wrapped your flesh around it. Like you are God's dream. In bodily form. How awesome is that? That's it, man. 2019 is going to be the best year of your life. I've spent the latter part of 2018 dreaming about what 2019 could be. And I dream about my, you know, I dream for myself, of course. I dream, God, make me a better husband this year. How many of you guys in here? All you men in here better say amen right now. Especially if your wife is sitting next to you. I'm trying to help you. I'm just, see? That's what I... Y'all need to get like Shabazz. Listen, when we talk about being better husbands, all the men in here shout, amen. 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 See, I, honestly, I have a dream to be a better husband. I have a dream to be a better father. Anybody else in here? Amen. Anybody else in here? All the parents said amen, right? Our mothers, you know. I want to be a great, great uh, dad. I want to be a great son to my, to my parents, and I want to honor my parents. I mean, I start dreaming about things. I start thinking about finances, 
You know, hey, I'll take double my income in 2019. Why not, right? Give me God-sized dreams that it would allow me to increase my revenue. Don't get weird. I'm just good talking about money. Don't get weird, right? Hey, if you don't want it, Lord, I'll take it. You know, okay? I ain't gonna get. I'm, I'm gonna be all right. All right. I, I mean, I'm, I'm dreaming. Anybody else a dreaming in here? I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming for you too. I'm dreaming about you. I'm dreaming for our church. I'm dreaming for our family. I'm dreaming about three services on January 27th. I'm, I'm, I am. I'm dreaming about it. I'm saying, God, what do you want to do? Because it feels like there's something in me that's stirring up right now, and I feel like you're just getting started. There's something about a momentum that's being released in the spirit that I'm starting to feel. I mean, like my spidey senses are tingling. I'm like, God, what are you doing? You know, something is stirring. There's an undertow. There's a movement of the Holy Ghost that is going to spill out of this church and over onto Nashville that I believe that God is doing something. So I said, God, what do you, what do you want to do? And, and the team and I, we've been praying. We've been processing. And here's what we believe is that in 2019, God wants to grow this family. Do you believe that? If you believe that, say amen. We, we've been asking the Lord, really? Because, you know, we've all heard a bad message on church growth, right? Or a manipulative one or a controlling one. And we're like, God, we don't want that. We don't want to do that. What are you trying to say? You know, he said, here's how you're going to grow. First, you're going to grow as disciples. As disciples. You're going to grow in the great commandment, which is the words of Jesus. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. How many of you guys have a... Have a resolution you want to love God better in 2019. Can I tell you, God's spoken that to us about you. You're going to grow as a disciple. And what's the follow-up to that commandment? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Man, that's good. You know how love of neighbor is proven? Love of enemy. How many of you guys would like to love the people who talked about you in 2018? How many of you guys like... Uh, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting into some, some quicksand over here. You know, how many of you guys like to love people better in 2019? I'd like to love people better. And that's, that's what I'm believing for. God move through me, help me, you know, grate off those edges, you know, make me gentle and humble of heart and help me love people. We're going to grow as disciples, but you know what? We're also going to grow in disciples. Can I get two good amens? Can I tell you guys something? And this may be one of the reasons a little more full in here. 40 people got saved in this house in December. 40 people received Jesus in December. Come on. That's one of the things. Sometimes we get weird about church growth, church growth. But, but, you know, God is always stoked about the growth of his family. He loves when sons and daughters come home. It says when one sinner repents, there's a party that happens in heaven and all the angels rejoice. So this month, this past month, like we've actually had the opportunity to celebrate 40 parties. That's good news. We're going to grow in disciples. You know what growing in disciples looks like? It looks like the Great Commission. How many of you guys know that's not called the great suggestion? Is that if you are a disciple, you are called to be a disciple maker? Jesus himself, also red letters, said, go. How many of you guys know two-thirds of God's name is go? 
So you guys are just getting it. It's now. Go. Make disciples of all nations, from Nashville to the nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're going to baptize some people. I believe it in Jesus' name. We're going to break records of baptisms of people going down into the waters of repentance and coming up a new creation, leaving their shame in the water, <laughs> getting free from Jesus. Amen? Preach the gospel, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, the commandments of Jesus, teaching the nations, what is it that Jesus has commanded? These are some things that we've been praying into, and to be honest with you, I believe with all my heart that these things are going to come to pass. This year, I was texting my old bishop. I was telling him, get ready, get ready, get ready. That's what T.D. Jake says, and I was texting with him, and I said, man, I believe this is, this is what God's going to do this year. It's just, you got to knit together a wineskin and invite the Lord to fill it. I know, I had, I had a witness. I appreciate y'all. Get ready, get ready, get ready, like the bishop says. Right? And, and sometimes we ask for expansion, but we don't ever stretch out the wineskin. Yeah, it's time to start that career. It's time to start that business. It's time to open up that nonprofit. It's time to open up that bank account. It's time to, you know, put that Instagram profile online. Oh, y'all ain't going to preach with me this morning. Is it? If you want the new wine, you got to have a wine skin for God to feel. That was, that was better than some of y'all saying amen right now. I'm telling you, this is the year. Start it. Start it. Start it. Look at your neighbor say, level up. And listen, here's the thing. If you don't have a vision, if you don't have a vision, there's a cost involved. If you don't have a vision, there's a cost involved. What is the cost? Where there is no vision, the people perish. When the Bible says where there is no vision, we may also say where there is no prophetic revelation, people die. You might also say it like this, where there are no dreamers, cities crumble. How many of you guys have moved to Nashville in the last three to five years? Look how many hands have gone up. God is sending dreamers to this city, guys. There is a purpose behind so many dreamers moving here. It's because God has a plan for the city that is set up on a hill that will not be hidden. And there is a reason that you're here. And it's not just because you have a dream, but it's because God wants to dream through you. Here's why. Because it's not his heart that anyone should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life through Jesus. Where, where dreamers are, where prophetic vision is, there's life. But where dreamers are not, there is death and cities crumble. If you don't have a dream from God, you need one because without a dream from God, you're personally going to perish. Without a God-sized dream, then you'll perish. Now, what is the word perish? You know, I've given you the word, you know, the calzone word, right, for, for, for vision. But the word for, for, for perish is just the word, uh, let me make sure I pronounce it right, para. Everybody say para. para. That's a Hebrew word. You learn a little Hebrew today. Yes. Para. But here's the thing. It's crazy. It doesn't actually mean death. Because when you think about it, you're like, okay, without a vision, I'm going to die? Literally die? Man, I better get a vision. But, but the reality is, without a vision, you're terminal. Spiritually. <laughs> is, that, is that too, too heavy? Right? We need a vision. Because here's the thing, perish, para, doesn't actually mean to literally die. You know what it means? It means to live undisciplined. Yeah. 
That's what it means. So, somebody needs to record that. I need that as a sound effect from here on out. From here on out. You know how you, know how you like listen to hip hop? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, listen, I need that. Thank you for that. You got that? We're going to record that. That right there is going down. I like that. So without a God-sized vision, we live life undisciplined. Go back to the ESV real quick, if you guys don't mind. Go back to the ESV real quick. Let me, sh- let me show you something. The people cast off restraint. So see, when you have a prophetic vision, what, here's what happens. When you have a God-sized vision, here's what happens. You get real disciplined. You get real focused. You get laser sharp. You say, man, I'm going to cut everything and everybody if I have to because God has given me a word. God has given me a promise. God has put hope in my heart to pursue this thing because it's why I'm on the earth and it's why I'm alive. So I can't waste my time messing around with everything that comes my way that feels good on the surface. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not living just for sensations. Like, I'm living for purpose. I'm living for a God dream that he's put in my heart, and I'm pursuing it. And if people want to stand in the way of that, I'm going to say, hey, man, you're going to have to orbit away from me for this season because I'm going after something bigger. Is it too much? Because without a prophetic vision, you'll live life undisciplined. If you don't have a God-sized dream, then you'll move in every direction that other people lead you. You'll, you'll live according to momentary passions, not to God-sized purpose. So you'll be to a new city, you know, in a month. Oh, man, this ain't working. New apartment next month. Nope, this ain't working. New job. Quit that. Next two weeks, two jobs. You, you get what I'm saying? When you don't have a God-sized vision to know what you're supposed to lay your life down for, then you live life without direction. And when you live life without God-sized dreams and you live life without direction, here's what you live life without as well. Legacy. If you live life without a God-sized vision, it guarantees that you'll leave behind no legacy. And, and here's the thing. You'll live a wasted life. I know I've asked a couple times, is it too heavy? But it's getting quiet in here. So where do you get one? Where do you get a dream? Here's where I can tell you don't get it. Culture. <laughs> here's where I can tell you don't get it. Comparison. Here's, here's where I can tell you, you do get it. God, yes. Jehovah, yes. Yahweh, yes. Jesus, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, beginning and end, Lion of the tribe of Judah, Alpha and Omega. <laughs> That's where you get a God-sized vision. A God-sized vision cannot come from a little man. From a person, from humanity, it, it can't come. We can be inspired by other people. We can even emulate their behavior. We can even replicate good actions. But here's the thing. You need more than inspiration. You need an anointing. Yes. I'm going to try this out. So you need more than inspiration. You need an anointing. Yes. And an anointing can only come from the person. Yes. Jesus. You can only get an anointing that you need to accomplish your God-sized vision from Jesus, not from man. You can get inspiration from man, but you need more than an inspiration. You need an impartation from God. The only place you get God-sized vision is from God himself. Personally, in prayer, you receive prophetic revelation about what God is calling you to do and who God is calling you to become. And then with laser sharp focus, you do that and you make no excuses 
for cutting out what you need to cut out in order to pursue it. Because you know that your legacy is on the line. Your life is on the line. Your kids' lives are on the line. Humanity's on the line. God's assignment for this generation is on the line. Come on, we have to look at our purpose and our life in 2019 with a little bit more severity than we looked at 2018. Because your breakthrough is somebody else's blessing. Like your breakthrough, your message, you know, that's somebody else's testimony. Like when you step up to do what God has called you to do, I promise you, you're going to see so many people blessed through your life. It won't just be about you consuming everything that God is doing. It'll be about you contributing with the Holy Spirit to people. And that's legacy. You guys know that, right? You only get God-sized vision from God alone. That's the only place you're going to get it. I'm going to give you guys three points about getting a God-sized vision. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. I'm going to go through point one real quick. Point two is going to have a bunch of sub-points. I'm giving you the syllabus. You guys okay with it? Okay, point two is going to have sub-points. And then point three, I might get to it. Okay, I didn't really get to it in first service, but I'm going to do my best. So here's, here's the first thing. Where do you get a God-sized vision? Here's point one. You ready? Write it down. The Bible. Everybody said, ooh, dang. How many of you guys have already made a New Year's resolution? I'm going to read the whole Bible this year. You, you already hit that little button on version. Catch me up. Like three times. You know what I'm saying? I know I've done it before as well. Nothing wrong with it. Progress, not perfection, everybody. Progress, not perfection, right? And so just, you know, get in there, get in the word, get in the scripture. When people tell me, man, I don't know who I am. I ask them, have you read the scripture recently? Because there's a whole lot of promises about how God feels about you contained in it. Let me read you a scripture real quick. 2 Timothy 3 and 16, 17. It says everything, how much? In the scriptures is God's word. All of it, how much? Is useful. For teaching and helping people and for correcting them and showing them, catch this, how to live, right? If you want to know how to do life in 2019, how to get a God-sized vision, how to schedule your time, how to manage your time, how to manage your dreams, how to go after your goals, get in the scripture. Everything in there is profitable. The scriptures, continuing, the scriptures train God's servants to do all kinds of good deeds, Speaks for itself, doesn't it? So get on a Bible reading plan. You know, I've been doing the, just the lectionary plan. If you want something that's a little bit more abbreviated, maybe you read through the whole thing last year, get on the lectionary plan. You can get on that. So whatever it looks like for you, get in the scriptures. Everybody said amen. amen. You know, we know that the Bible is the word of God and the sword of the, right? So if every day your life depended on your ability to wield your sword, wouldn't you get it out a little more often and practice with it? Like if we were in a battle and all you had was a sword, wouldn't you sharpen it every day? Wouldn't you get it out and move it? Wouldn't you get comfortable with it? Because you know, man, somebody's coming for my life. I got to have this sword ready to go. Well, we are in a war in the spirit. There is a real enemy and he wants you dead. I don't think this point's going anywhere. But listen, if you get the... Get the book off your shelf, right? Yeah. Or get it up in your app and wield the sword, man. Get comfortable with it. Sharpen it, man. Your life depends on it. Have an offensive weapon that can be used against the enemy of your soul. Yes. Come on. I'm believing for a revival of Bible education in our generation. That's what I'm believing for. I mean, you know, hey, listen, I, 
I know not every, I know not every you know, de- denomination and expression values it as much as the others, but listen, we can all learn from each other. Come on. Yeah. So anyways, longer than I intended to make that point. Point two, you guys ready? Okay, here, here, here's point two, prayer. They're very simple points. Prayer. Prayer. And uh, the only place, aside from Scripture and the third point, that you can get a God-sized vision is from prayer. You have to pray. How many of you guys know prayer is a conversation, not a monologue? Right? Where you get a God-sized vision is from prayer. And uh, I was listening this week to a pastor named Chris Hodges, and uh, he was talking about the connection between prayer and vision, and he was speaking to a group of pastors. And uh, this was intended for pastors and church planters, but I thought, you know, let's bring it out the vault and share it with the whole church. So you guys ready for some pastor info? Come on. <laughs> so I'm going to give you guys four subpoints. okay? So if you're writing them down, you can write these down. But this is in regards to praying for vision. Number one, improve your personal prayer life. No matter where you are, if you're spending two minutes a day right now, level up. If you're spending 10 minutes, level up. If you're, whatever it looks like in your pursuit of God in prayer, we can all grow. We can all develop. We can all expand. We can all level up. And so as you are pursuing a God-sized dream, level up in your prayer life. You, only you know what that looks like. Maybe it looks like meditation or maybe it looks like, you know, more conversation with the Lord. Maybe it looks like getting off the screens and just spending some intentional time with God. Maybe for the next 21 days, starting tomorrow at the worship night, it looks like fasting, pushing back the plate a little bit and just using your meal time to feed yourself, but in a different way. Yeah. Come on. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Fasting doesn't necessarily make us more spiritual, but it sure does make us less fleshly. You know what I'm saying? It helps us to refine our appetites of what the God-sized vision in us is really in pursuit of. So that we're looking to heaven rather than looking to what's hot. Let me tell you, you're not going to live out your God-sized vision just looking at what's hot. You got to look to heaven. You got to pray. You got to improve your personal prayer life. Here's point two. So point two, develop the habit of corporate prayer. Develop the habit of corporate prayer. Now, there's many ways to translate this, but I'm going to give you a simple one. Come to church. Just come to church. You know why? Because Jesus likes to show up here, one, and there's a whole lot of people that know Jesus in here, too. You see what I'm saying? So it's like you really can't lose. Have somebody pray for you. Have somebody lay hands on you. Say, man, here's what's happening in my world. Lay hands on me right now and pray. Let's lock arms in agreement right now in the spirit. Let's pray. You know, let's, let's get in the presence of God together. Let's receive communion, the body and the blood. Let's lift our hands in worship. Let's get in a context of corporate prayer and condition our spirits to continue to go after what God has said, not what we've been misled to do throughout the week. I'm not getting a whole lot of amens on that one. Get in a small group. Have people over for dinner. I'm not, I'm not saying this is the only expression. You, you know, start a text group. Be in corporate prayer, and that really leads me into point three, and that is, here's point three, enlist personal intercessors. Do you have a group of people who pray for you regularly? If you don't, can I, can I encourage you? Write, put a list together of people that you know. You know, there are some people who are anointed to pray and to intercede. There are some people in here, you guys pray for three hours, and for you, it feels like three minutes. Y'all are weird. Because when I pray for three hours, it feels like three hours. You know, I got that, like, I, I don't know if it's like, you know, 
OCD or whatever, but like I'm always thinking about, man, we could plan this and do that. We could execute on that. And I got to have a whiteboard in my prayer meeting because I feel like God starts speaking to me about so much. So I'm like writing it all down and stuff, you know? But there are people who are legitimately gifted to just intercede for you and they'll get prophetic words for you and God will give them dreams for you in the night and then they share them and encourage them. You know, and the thing about, thing about intercessor people, man, you, you got to give them directives. You got to give them specifics. If not, if not, they'll pray about everything. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? They'll be blessing your dog and everything. That's fine. That's good. Dog needs a blessing too. But listen, give them specifics. And then, and then give them specific results once they come to pass. Testify to them about the breakthrough that their prayers, that they partnered with you with, that, that, that what's happened. Enlist some personal intercessors. Number four, and I like this one. This, this one fires me up. Be aware of spiritual warfare. Listen, if you get a God-sized vision, right? And that's, that's what all of us are pursuing today, Lord. You get a God-sized vision. You think when you step into that new territory, you're going to find it vacant? Nope. Guarantee you won't. The enemy is very invested in maintaining his territory. What he's been given, he wants to keep. But when we step out into pursuing our God-sized vision, here's the thing. It's always kingdom, and it's always going to advance the mission of Jesus. And so when we advance that mission, here's what's going to happen. We're going to take territory from the enemy. You guys know what you're signing up for. If you want a God-sized vision, you have to learn to fight. Just a little bit. How many, who followed God any closer than Jesus? Nobody. Where'd that lead him? To a garden called Gethsemane. Translated means the oil press. Some of us are asking for a fresh anointing in 2019. You don't know what you're asking. You're asking God to send you into Gethsemane. Because in order for oil to come from the olive, it's got to be... Come on, man. Fresh anointing. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like, that's what's required. That's what's necessary. I was reading through Joshua this week. I was praying. I, I actually wrote three sermons for this morning. And I'm, I'm trying to summarize into one. But I was reading Joshua all week, and I love Joshua. You know why? Joshua 1 and 5, 1 and 3, excuse me, says this. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. I like that. There's something about it. It's a very aggressive thing for me. I was like, ah. Oh. Start wanting to do CrossFit and stuff. You know? Like flex on them a little bit, you know? Every place that my foot goes, is mine. That's one of the things David Hogan taught me to pray. He said when he gets off an airplane on a mission field, he looks around. He said it like this. Everything I see is mine. So I like that. I like that. But here's the thing. You know why God gives Christians territory? Not to dominate, but to take responsibility for. All the, resp- all the authority you have is so that you can take responsibility for the people who are also there. Not so that you can dominate them and yes. lead them. Yes. You guys going to help me? 11 a.m.? So yes. Come on. Amen. Be aware of spiritual warfare. Here's the thing. That is one of the most glorious words that God gives any person in Scripture. If you go home today, do some homework, read Joshua 1, chap- uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 9, and just read the promise, the God-sized vision that Joshua received. Man, I like Joshua, man. Yeah. Joshua, man, man after my own heart. I really like Joshua. Yeah. You know, he's just, just 
taking territory, you know? And, and when we get a God-sized vision, man, we could be like, yes, Lord, this is amazing. I received this prophetic revelation about how great my life is going to be. That's what happened to Joshua. You know what happens to Joshua the next 13 chapters? He has to defeat 31 kings. If you're going to get a God-sized vision and pursue obtaining everything that God has spoken to you, here's the thing. You have to take out some kings. You have to take some territory from the enemy. You have to take out some kings. You're not just going to step into it and find that place vacant. It's going to take some hard work. You guys believe that, right? Here's the third one. You can write this down. Point three. Prophetic words. Point one is scripture. Point two is prayer. Third is prophetic words. What does God say about you through other people? How many of you guys like prophetic words? I like good prophetic words. Let me clarify. I like good prophetic words, right? What is a good prophetic word? It encourages, it builds up, it comforts, it edifies, it warns, you know? It's all good things, and they're all saturated in love. That's how you know it's a good prophetic word, amen? And I love prophetic words. The the word for prophecy in the scripture is actually the word foretell. And so when we talk about vision, and I want to give you guys a... um, my own definition of vision. Vision is a God-given picture of the future. Yeah. Yeah. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. Vision is a God-given picture of the future. And one of the ways that we can clarify the picture that is our future that we receive from God is through prophecy. It's through prophetic words. It's through prayers that foretell the future and what God is calling us into. But you know why you get a prophetic word? Because you're about to need it. When you get a prophetic word, get happy in the moment, but just know this, you're about to need it. Right? The reason why Joshua, the reason why Joshua got this amazing prophetic picture of this palace is because God knew that Joshua needed something to sustain him through the process. Right? In Hebrews chapter 12, the apostle Paul writes and he says, "For the joy that was set before Jesus," right? He, he despised the shame and he suffered the cross. Like Jesus was so possessed with a God-sized vision, which was your salvation, that he willingly suffered the cross. He was able to participate in the process because he was so possessed with a vision of the palace. He said in 2019, there's going to be uh, 200 and some people in a room and they're going to be saved because of what I'm about to endure but I willingly stretch myself wide and I let these nails be, dr- be driven through my feet because I am possessed with a God-sized vision which is humanity being redeemed which is all people everywhere from this moment forward being able to put their faith in the Son of God this process can't stop me it is going to be painful but I'm possessed I've got something in me. It's a dream. It's bigger than myself. It's a legacy, and I am giving myself to it. I have a prophetic word. In fact, I have 300 from the Old Testament that I'm fulfilling. I got a prophetic word. Somebody said when I was 18 that I was going to accomplish this. And don't get discouraged just because you don't see prophetic words happening without any effort on your behalf. You know, uh, prophetic words, prophetic words are conditional, okay? Like if you choose not to accept them or participate with them by putting any work in, then you shouldn't be shocked when they don't come to pass. So forgive God for not operating on your timetable. 
He's God. You're not. <laughs> Let the offense go in 2019. Everybody said amen. amen. You know, this is a word that the Lord uh, gave me, which is First Chronicles uh, 28 and 10. Consider now for the Lord has chosen you to build a house as the sanctuary. Now get the last part. Hold up. What did the Lord say? And do the work, son. Do the work. I ain't going to do it for you. You know what I'm saying? And, and not to steal another, you know, little slogan from Bishop Jakes, but I remember one time he said, if you need a table, God gives you wood. Yes. You see what I'm saying? What does God put in your hand? Do the work. I'm going to give you a prophetic word. I'm going to give you a prophetic promise. I'm going to give you God-sized vision, but then I'm going to give you the raw materials. You're going to have to do the work. You've got to assemble it. A God-sized vision is like Ikea. It's going to come to you, but you're going to have to do the work to assemble it and put it together and do it. Yeah, there's some people who are so angry at God, for, like they're angry at Ikea. This didn't come pre-assembled, or I quit. I'm going to send it back. <laughs> Hey, do the work. <laughs> Don't think that it's just going to be easy. The next 21 days, you're going to have an opportunity to bathe your year in prayer. Every single day, we're going to send a prayer directive out through Instagram and Facebook. You're going to have the opportunity to read that. Partner with us in prayer. We're going to all pray for you and for our country. We're going to pray for our state. We're going to pray for our city. We're going to pray for the lost. We're going to pray for the poor. We're going to pray for every single person on planet Earth. <laughs> Why not? Don't leave anybody out, right? We're going to pray. And for some of us, we're going to fast. And we're going to get ready. And I want to encourage you to fast. If you need to do a juice fast, Daniel fast, full fast, whatever your fast, Instagram, Netflix, whatever it is, fast. Condition yourself and prepare yourself. Give God your first fruits. Give him your best. Give him what you've got this first part of the year and believe. I'm receiving in this season a God-sized vision for 2019. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to let up. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to fulfill it. I'm going to take the territory. I don't care who gets in my way. There's no demon in hell that can separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. He said he'd be with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. I know I've got everything that I need. So let's roll. And if you're feeling a pull on your spirit right now, let me tell you, God never puts a demand on what God didn't deposit. If you're feeling the pull, it's only because God already put it in you. You were broken at 18. You were crying, boohooing over that boy or whatever else you were doing. Let me tell you, God was putting something in you to prepare you for the greatest year of your life. When, when Jesus took the bread, he took the bread and he said, okay, we're about to feed 5,000 people. It's one loaf, yep, one loaf of bread, your little life. We're about to impact 5,000 people. What did he do? Bam, he broke it. Whoa. There's something about brokenness that precedes multiplication. So if 2018, I'm going to be real with you, if 2018 sucked for you, 2019 is about to be a year of multiplication for you because God is in the business of blessing broken things. Bam, he broke it. Then he lifted it up to heaven. He blessed it. And then he multiplied it. See, brokenness always precedes the multiplication. Your brokenness fills somebody else. 
satisfies somebody else. Not in a sadistic way. It's that it's, it gets multiplied by the hand of God. Because you're humbled and you're ready to be multiplied. Because you're broken and you're ready to be distributed. Because you're soft and supple and you're open and you let God move through you and you don't take all the credit. I tell you, your brokenness was for your benefit. And your brokenness is going to bring breakthrough. I promise you, everybody wants to carry the breaker anointing. Everybody wants to shout when it's time to talk about breakthrough, but nobody wants to be broken. But brokenness precedes breakthrough. Let me tell you, any breakthrough that I've ever had in my life has always been preceded by a puddle of snot on the floor. It has. It really has. All, every single significant moment in my life has been preceded by me on the floor thinking, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm done. I'm finished. We better close this church. I don't know what I'm doing. You know how many times I said that? Not, not recently. So just. See, I, know, I know how I wield that sword a little bit now. I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> nope. Because I got a God-sized vision. I want to affect this city with my family, with my community. I want to feed people. I want to clothe people. I want to house people. I want to disciple people. I want to train up people. I want to transform people. I want leaders to grow in this house. I want the church to be bigger than the four walls of the building. I want to see something that only God can bring. What about you guys? We need a God-sized vision, not a man-sized vision. A God-sized vision. Man cannot provide you with any grace to accomplish anything. You can get inspired by him, but you need grace that comes from the Father alone. Because when you get a word from God, you also get the grace required to accomplish it. You need the word from God. Scripture, prayer, prophetic words. Let's go. Let's stand.